All right. Hey, good morning to every one of our venues and anybody watching online. So good to worship together on this Sunday morning. So I saw a tweet in this past week, and when I read through it, I burst out laughing. And it said this, my wife just stopped and said, you weren't even listening, were you? And I thought, that's a pretty weird way to start a conversation. (laughs) I don't know if anybody can kind of identify with that, or if anybody's like me, you feel a little convicted now this morning. You see, I think the truth is, listening can be a difficult thing for probably every single one of us. We often have so much that we want to say, so much that we want to share, so much that we want to express, that we don't have the discipline and we don't have the focus to actually be good Listeners, Now, you might be thinking, if you've been coming to Calvary for a while, like, don't we seem to, to preach on listening, like, every month? You know, doesn't it feel like it's just this recurring topic? And the answer probably is yes. Yes, we do teach on this a lot. But if you're also honest, you'd probably have to say, well, you weren't completely listening the last time that we preached on this, so it's good. And I would also say when my wife hears that we're preaching on listening, she's like, that's a good thing because you definitely have a long way to go. So we're all in this together as we think about what it looks like and what it means to be good listeners. And so as we've been in this series about relationships, one of the things that we have observed is that our relational and emotional health is very, very closely tied to our spiritual health. You know, sometimes we think about coming to church and, you know, we want to grow spiritually and that is a good thing, but it also means we have to look at other parts of our life and our relationships are such a key part of who we are and it's so important for our spiritual health. So Harvard did a study on talking and listening. And they found out that the same areas of our brain that are activated when we eat comfort foods like pizza and fried chicken are actually also activated and lit up when we talk about ourselves. In fact, it's also the same part of the brain that lights up when someone takes a hit of cocaine. It's that addictive. So on average... People talk 60 plus percent about themselves in any conversation. And that percentage goes up to 80% when it comes to social media. You see, all of us are conditioned to love to talk about ourselves. But that also affects our ability to be good listeners. It affects our ability and our capacity to listen and to hear others. So all throughout the story of the Bible, we see again and again, there is an importance, a central importance to listening. In fact, Paul says that one of the key ways we come to faith is through hearing the gospel. And in fact, it's something that we need to focus on, getting out and sharing the gospel so others can hear it. The Bible has 1,500 plus different verses about the importance of listening. So it's kind of a big deal. Now, the book of Proverbs is a great book of wisdom and little nuggets that we can apply to our life. And one of the, the Proverbs, Proverbs 17, verses 27 and 28, talks about listening. It says, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. 
Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. It's good advice, right? Especially for people like me who tend to put their foot in their mouth from time to time. But you know, as much as we hear something like this, as much as we even might believe it deep down, listening is still a great challenge for most of us. You know, we can probably all think of numerous times in our life when we haven't felt heard. And you can probably remember what that felt like. You know, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. It can be maddening when we don't feel heard. But at the same time, we can probably also think of numerous times that we haven't listened as well as we should. You know, whether it's our spouse, our kids, our parents, our friends, there are numerous times when we just, we fall short and we don't listen like we should. So all of us experience disappointments in our relationships. And every one of us, I think, longs for more healthy and meaningful relationships. And so that's why we're in this series called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And we're in week number three. It's closely based on a book and a course that's put out by Pete and Jerry Scazzaro. And the goal of this series is to help us to learn to better love the people that God has placed in our lives. Because, you know, nothing is really as important as growing in love. When Jesus himself was asked what the most important commandment was, and you need to remember in the Old Testament, there were hundreds upon hundreds of different laws and commandments that people were expected to follow. And Jesus says, you know, it can all be boiled down to these two important things, love God and love people. You see, following Jesus means deepening our love for God, but also deepening our love for others that God places in our lives. And so we've been talking about some practical things that we can do in our everyday life to have more emotionally healthy relationships. And so week number one, we talked about the importance of clarifying our expectations. Every one of us brings expectations to all of our relationships. Some of them we, we know, some of them we don't even know. It's because of how we were raised or maybe something from our childhood. But we need to come to terms with what our expectations are. And we need to communicate them well. And we need to be able to have conversations around our reasonable expectations. And then last week we talked about the importance of becoming more self-aware we talked about how we're all like icebergs, where like 10% is visible and above the surface, but there's 90% beneath the surface that has the potential to shipwreck our relationships. And so we need to grow in self-awareness. And today's skill that I want us all to learn is to listen incarnationally. We need to learn to listen incarnationally. Now, before we go any further, I want to give you an opportunity to take a quick inventory to see how good of a listener you actually are. And so if you have a pen or a pencil, you can grab that, or you can also keep your own score in your head. But as we take this inventory, I want you to resist the urge to take it on behalf of somebody else. All right, you're not taking this for your spouse or for your kids or for your friends. This is for you. 
Also, just be honest, right? Be honest about these answers. No one else needs to know your results. So I'm going to give you a a series of 10 statements. And if the statement accurately describes you, give yourself a point or a tally. And if not, don't. So here we go. Number one, does this describe you? My close friends would describe me as a responsive listener. Keyword responsive. It's not an adequate listener. This is someone who's engaged in good listening. Number two, when people are upset with me, I am able to listen to them without being defensive. Number three, I listen not only to the words people say, but also to the feelings behind their words and their body language. Number four, I have little interest in judging other people or quickly giving my opinion. I feel like whoever wrote this inventory was maybe speaking to me on this one. Number five, I am able to validate another person's feelings with empathy. Number six, I am aware of my defensive mechanisms in stressful conversations. Could be things like appeasing or ignoring or blaming or distracting. Number seven, I am deeply aware of how the family I was raised in has shaped my present listening style. Have you ever thought about that? Number eight, I ask for clarification when listening rather than filling in the blanks or making assumptions. Number nine, I don't interrupt to get my point across when someone else is speaking. And then number 10, I give people my undivided attention when they are talking to me. All right, so tally up your score out of 10, and then think about how you did. If you got a nine or a 10, you are an outstanding listener, and you're giving the sermon next week. If you got a seven or an eight, you're a very good listener, and your mom should be very proud of you. If you got a five or a six, you're a pretty good listener. You've got a good foundation to build upon. And if you got a four or under, let's just say you picked the perfect day to come to church, all right? (laughs) Now, if you want to truly be brave, maybe over brunch, maybe at home, ask your spouse, ask your kid, ask someone else close to you how they would rate you as a listener, and then compare the results. And let me also say, then you can come back next week because we're going to talk about how to fight fairly. All right? So no matter how you scored on the inventory, I think we all have room to grow as listeners. And as we think about all of the division and conflict and animosity that we see in our world, I think it's pretty clear that we would all benefit greatly if we would become better listeners. But I think this goes doubly for the church. Because when is the last time you heard someone comment, wow, those Christians are such great listeners. You know, I mean, is there any other group of people around who is more sincerely interested to know my perspective? 
who are more curious about the world we live in, who ask better questions, who actually take the time to listen to what I have to say and what I think about any issue. You know, sadly, listening is not something that Christians or the church are known for in our culture. But people are looking for people who listen well. People long to be truly heard. So let's talk about listening incarnationally. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, I understand listening, but what in the world do you mean by incarnationally? Well, the word incarnation means to be embodied in the flesh. Jesus was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. Now, in John's gospel, he tells the Christmas story in a completely different way. There are no mangers, there's no animals, there's no wise men. Now, instead, he he talks theology right off the bat. Look at John 1.1. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. The word is Jesus. The word that John is describing is Jesus himself. Jesus is the word of God. And that means he didn't just appear out of nowhere on December 25th, 0 AD in Bethlehem. No, Jesus has been present with God from the very beginning. He is a co-eternal part of the Trinity, which means Jesus was present for all of creation. Jesus was a part of creating the entire universe. But then something earth-shattering took place. The eternal word of God took on flesh. He became incarnate. Now, I love how Eugene Peterson, in his message translation, puts verse 14 of John chapter 1. He says, the word, remember that's Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. God left heaven in the form of Jesus, and he moved into the neighborhood. He came fully into our broken world. He actually became one of us, flesh and blood, in the person of Jesus Christ. And you see, this is the good news of the incarnation, that God is not sitting off in the clouds somewhere watching your life like it's a movie or a Netflix show. No, he is completely here and present and close and involved, and he understands your life and all you are going through. The incarnation is what makes Jesus relatable and knowable because he knows fully what it's like to be you and I. So the Schizeros, in their course, they observe that while incarnational listening isn't exactly the same as Jesus' incarnation, there are some really helpful parallels that can help us learn to listen 
better. So the first thing I think we see in Jesus's incarnation is that Jesus left his world. He could have easily stayed where he was at. Very comfortable place. He could have just stayed with God. But he willingly chose to give up his rights and his privileges to become one of us. And it's such an incredible picture of selfless and sacrificial love. He did this so that he could fully identify with you and me. But here's how the Apostle Paul says that this relates to us in Philippians 2. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So to listen incarnationally means we need to be willing to leave our own world. What this means is we need to be willing to give up our own thoughts and opinions and ideas and open ourselves up fully to the other person. Leaving our world is the beginning of taking the focus, taking the spotlight off of ourselves and being fully engaged and fully present with the other person, letting them be the center of our attention. Again, easily said, but very difficult to do. Jesus left his world. And so to listen incarnationally means we need to be willing to leave our world. Number two, Jesus entered our world. Jesus entered our world fully, meaning he experienced everything that it means to be a human. He actually did life with his disciples day by day. He shared everything with them. And we see again and again in the gospels that Jesus took the time to truly listen to whoever was in front of him. He gave his full attention to whoever he was speaking with. Now, we all know that it is really hard to truly listen when we're not fully present with another person. But Jesus was fully present, entering fully into our world. And we too can enter the world of another by listening incarnationally. Now, there are some practical ways that we can do this. First, we can give the speaker our full attention. And this isn't just with your ears. This is with your whole body. Eye contact is so vitally important. If we're watching a screen or scrolling on our phone or just staring off into space, it communicates that we really don't care and we don't really value the other person. Another thing that we can do is to step into the other person's shoes and feel what they are feeling. That's called empathy. Empathy is one of the things that makes us human. Empathy is how we best form a strong bond with the other person. It's how we communicate to them that they are not alone in what they are facing or what they are struggling with. Another important thing is to avoid judging or interpreting. 
Resist the urge to come to a conclusion before the speaker is even finished. Or this one is definitely convicting for me. Don't be forming or rehearsing your response in your head before the person is even finished sharing what they want to share. And then make sure you reflect back as accurately as you can what you heard them say. This means restating what you heard and then trying to see if it's what they're trying to communicate. Can you articulate their main idea or their concern or their feeling? Now, this is where it sometimes can feel kind of wooden and mechanical, but think of it this way. It's like putting training wheels on a bike. You need them for a while until you develop the skills to ride the bike safely. And so maybe it starts by sounding a little little wooden, saying, what I heard you say is this. And eventually, as that becomes a part of your daily practice, it will become much more natural to fully enter into the other person's world. So we see here, Jesus left his world. Jesus entered our world. And then number three, Jesus remained himself. When Jesus became a human being like us and moved into the neighborhood, he never stopped being fully God. He was still fully God, yet he was also fully man. He was tempted, and yet he remained sinless. He held on to his divinity, but also was full of humanity. There was no compromise or lessening of his godly status in becoming a human being. See, when we listen, we too can listen without compromise. You know, sometimes I think we think if we listen to someone with different beliefs or opinions or values, that we're somehow compromising or we're somehow becoming complicit in something And it leads to our need to argue or debate or fight. Or we just end up avoiding listening to other perspectives altogether. And I think tragically, this is a part of the incredible polarization we see in our nation today. People can't even figure out how to have a conversation. They can't even figure out how to listen to someone who's not like them. And so what we tend to do is just to listen to the people who tell us what we already believe. I think way too many people today in the church are being discipled more by cable news than by the word of God. There are way too many people today who are just looking for reinforcement to what they already believe. And as you may or may not know, that's how social media is actually designed to just keep on giving us things that we already agree with. And so over time, we start to think we are right about everything and anyone else that thinks differently is automatically wrong. And when we do engage with someone who maybe doesn't see the world the same way we do, again, our our tendency is to argue or debate instead of listening to understand. And it's tragic because we miss a great opportunity to listen incarnationally, just like Jesus did. Again, listening doesn't mean you have to compromise but it does mean you need to treat every person with respect and with love. Well, then fourth, Jesus lived between two worlds. While on earth, Jesus lived in the tension between this world and the next. 
He often reminded his followers that this world is not all that there is. It's just temporary. But meanwhile, he never downplayed or devalued the importance of the present moment. And so when we listen incarnationally, we too live in the tension between two worlds. Differing perspectives are not problems to be solved, but instead tensions to be managed. That's so good. I'm going to say it one more time. Differing perspectives are not problems to be solved, but instead they're tensions to be managed. Whether it's differing political opinions, differing marriage and family perspectives, differing theological convictions, differing ways of approaching culture, we don't all have to have the exact same perspective on every single thing to still remain in community together. You know, as a church, it's one of the great joys of ministry to see all of the different perspectives and experiences and convictions that can be represented within a church like this. And our unity comes through Christ alone, not anything else. We don't need to break unity because of differing perspectives and views when we have Jesus in common. And you know where we see this most clearly? Within the disciples. Did you realize that there is someone off the charts left and someone off the charts right within Jesus' 12 disciples? There's one man named Simon who is described as a zealot the zealot's chief desire was to have a revolution to overthrow the Roman Empire. He was off the charts to the left. But then there's a man named Matthew who's a tax collector, which means he is cozied up to the Roman Empire and he's off the charts to the right. And yet they did ministry together for years because they were united in Jesus. We don't have to break fellowship or relationship or community over differing perspectives if we remain united in Jesus. So what if we began to live into the tension instead of avoiding it? What if we began to see the tension as an opportunity to love instead of a problem to be solved? Because above all else, as followers of Jesus, our first and most important duty is to love. So I want to make this practical for you. I want to ask you, who is someone in your life to whom you need to listen more incarnationally starting today? Maybe it's somebody in your family from whom you feel distant and disconnected. Maybe it's someone who approaches politics differently than you do, who you just try to avoid at any cost. Maybe it's somebody of a different ethnicity or race or culture or even religion, and they just make you feel uncomfortable. Maybe this week you need to set up a lunch or a coffee or just go for a walk with that person and simply focus on listening and learning. See, Jesus modeled this life of listening incarnationally. 
And so he invites you and I to join him entering fully into people's pain and struggle, their joys and their sorrows, their victories and their defeats. Imagine what our relationships might look like if we learned to listen incarnationally. Imagine what would happen in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. You know, what if people who are struggling and questioning and grieving would experience Christians as the very best listeners that there are? Imagine if followers of Jesus were known as people who listen incarnationally instead of just fighting and debating and arguing, more concerned about getting our own viewpoints out than actually loving people like Jesus told us to. See, here's the thing, church. I think we need more extra mile Christians. You've heard the phrase before, right? Go the extra mile. Well, did you know that it comes from something Jesus said in the gospels? In the first century, any Roman soldier could ask any boy 12 years old or older to carry his pack. And the only rule was he could only require him to carry his pack for one mile. That's it. So you can imagine if a soldier would show up in a village, all of the boys would be looking at the ground, right? They don't want to make eye contact with the soldier because his pack is 60 plus pounds. Imagine a 12-year-old carrying a 60-pound pack for a mile. But then along comes Jesus, and he doesn't condemn this. He doesn't slander the, the Roman soldiers. Look at what he says in Matthew 5. He says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now, my favorite thing about what Jesus says there are the words, go with them. He doesn't say, just sling the pack on your back and then throw it down later. This is about a relationship. It's an opportunity. Go with them, be present with them. These two miles that you walk with this other person could build a relationship. It could build understanding. It's an opportunity for love. And so again, I think we need more Christians who are willing to go the extra mile. People who are willing to listen incarnationally, especially to those who we disagree with. I mean, the reality is Christians are really good at being loud today. And it's driving away the younger generations. Jesus is calling us to extend compassion even for people who don't share our convictions. You see, when we become extra mile Christians, we reflect the heart of Jesus. When we listen openly and incarnationally, instead of arguing and fighting and debating and dominating the conversation, it communicates something so, so powerful. And that's love. Because listening is one of the most powerful ways that we can demonstrate and we can experience 
love. It's a quote by a man named David Augsburger who says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. So church, what if we became extra mile Christians? And what if we were willing to love incarnationally? Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you are real and powerful and present with us. We thank you for the incarnation that you sent Jesus to move into our neighborhood, to experience all that we experience so that he could be relatable and knowable. And we thank you for his example of love and listening. God, you know all the ways we fall short every day of truly being good listeners. God, show us how we can better listen incarnationally. Show us the people who are the hardest for us to love and help us to have your heart for each and every person. God, we want to be your people who are known for the incredible way we love others and for the incredible way that we listen. And we know on our own, we're going to fall flat on our face. So we trust you. We invite you to do a work within us. We know that through Christ, all things are, things are possible. And so God, send your Holy Spirit to fill us, to equip us, to be the people that you call us to be. So we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus, and let's all say together, amen.